0: Can you make money from a low-priced digital product? The answer is yes, and real Rebel Chelsea Brennan is proof. A $19 product and five figures in sales from a launch plan just two weeks in advance. Stay tuned for the story. You're listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday Rebel women just like you, who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Rebels, welcome back for another episode of the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast. Today we are joined by Chelsea Brennan. Chelsea Brennan is an ex hedge fund investment manager turned full time blogger. After several years working on Wall Street, Chelsea made a major life change to choose family, passion, and a positive impact on the world over money. Chelsea is a recovering perfectionist, aspiring homesteader, and full blown Potterhead living in Connecticut with her husband, a rock star stay at home dad, and board game enthusiast. Two young boys and a puppy named Stitches. Chelsea is such an incredible person. I'll tell you how I met her first, and then that will lead into why she's here on the show today. So Chelsea and I met at the tribe conference hosted by Jeff Goines back in November, I think it was. Maybe it was October. It was late 2018 and I met her and when I told her what I do and my focus on digital products, she started to to tell me her own digital product story. So she told me, hey, you know, one day I was sitting down at the computer, I was writing what I thought would turn into a lead magnet, a freebie, and then all of a sudden it turned into this like gigantic thing and I knew that I needed to sell it instead of give it away for free. And then on a whim, she decided to launch this product and made five figures in sales. Like, just imagine that. You decide to make a a freebie tomorrow and decide you're gonna start to charge for it instead of give it away for free, two weeks later you launch it and you make over five figures in sales. Like how does that change your life? Just imagine how that makes you feel. Now obviously it doesn't work that way for everyone, but I knew once I heard the story I needed to have Chelsea on the show so that we could talk about what went into developing this product, what makes it so high-need and high-value, how does it target a pain point that people actually need solved, how does that contribute to it selling really well, how she put together this launch. We talk about everything in this episode. We talk about numbers. There's just, there's nothing held back. I asked Chelsea before we started recording, is there anything you don't want to share? Are there any forbidden questions that I can't ask you? And she said, nope, I'm an open book. Ask me anything. And that's what I did. You're going to love this episode. It's really great. So without further ado, please welcome Chelsea Brennan to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast. Okay, Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Really happy you're here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is like a long time conversation that we wanted to have. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I think we first talked about it, what, six months ago? So,
0: yeah, yeah. So, it's the time has finally arrived. And I think everyone listening is really going to enjoy this. So, let's just start off at the basics. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into this world.
1: So I'm Chelsea Brennan. I run Smart Money Mamas. Um, previously, I was a hedge fund manager at a fund in Boston. And I just, after my first child was born, I just didn't want to be at an office 10, 12, 14 hours a day anymore. Um, so I started a blog, mostly didn't even know blogs made money, mostly to just answer some money questions from other mother, young mothers in my mom's group. Uh, and then when my second child was born or was about to be born, my water broke about eight weeks early. So I was in the hospital, um, and I just didn't want to deal with the stress anymore. So I gave my notice and quit my job. And now I'm halfway through my two year stint to grow my business.
0: Wow. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there when (laughs) when you were, um, about to give birth to your second child at that point, was your blog making any money or not yet?
1: No. So to follow um, hedge fund rules, you actually can't make outside income from anywhere else. Uh, So I couldn't monetize the blog at all at that point. It had grown more than I would have expected it to. It was only 10 months old at that point. Um, But no, there there was zero income.
0: Okay. And at that point, did you know that there was potential since you'd kind of been around the block a little bit?
1: Yeah, I knew there was potential. I knew that um, where I was for a 10-month-old blog was a good sign and that there was a lot of interest. Um, And I also knew that I would always have the fallback option of freelance writing. Uh, so, So I just took the leap.
0: So what happened next? You handed in your notice and how did your life change at that point?
1: Dramatically, we went from what I used to call making stupid money to zero. My husband's a stay-at-home dad, so we literally went to zero. Uh, we sold our house. We moved um, from Boston down to Connecticut, closer to my mom. Um, and then I tried to take a little bit of time. <laughs> Actually, hold on, back up. I didn't move to Connecticut at first. We moved in with my in-laws, so we had a two-month-old baby, an almost three-year-old, or almost two-year-old, and everybody just living in my in-laws' one. <laughs> one bedroom house okay because <laughs> our house in connecticut wasn't ready yet um but then i try to take a little time with the with the boys and then really focus on building you know more of a brand more um more monetized system
0: were you freaked out at all or were you just kind of living on a high that you no longer were strapped to that desk job that you didn't like
1: it was really stressful. So I, um, I had pretty bad postpartum depression, which makes anxiety just level max anyway. Um, and for someone who's a natural saver, I was like not having money coming in was pretty stressful. The only thing that kind of calmed me and still calms me is that we had two full years of funding to not need to make any money. So we had some time to slow it down. And, and actually, that first six months when I really started getting working again, I dove into a lot of freelance work um, because I was afraid about how slow it is to get blogs making money. And it wasn't until June of last year that my husband was like, okay, (laughs) you have this time to work on the blog. You need to be working on your business, not somebody else's. And I, and I pared back my freelance
0: work. What was your monetization strategy at the time when you were thinking about how the blog was going to make money in the next two years? What did you think was going to bring in the cash?
1: I didn't have I didn't have a good sense. Uh, I knew it probably wasn't going to be uh, display advertising and things like that. I don't you know I don't love cluttered sites. I knew it would be my own products, um, but what the products would be, whether it would be courses or printables, I wasn't sure. Um, and I kind of wanted to get a good sense of what my audience was looking for before I committed to anything.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. How did you you have an incredible story which everyone's about to hear, and I can't wait to share it with them. But how did you? How would you even get started? Just kind of tell that story a little bit more of how you started to unpack the, the stuff that your audience wanted from you.
1: So uh, we did some surveying. My uh, blog started, like I said, from a mom's group. So I'm in a mom's group of a little over 200 people uh, that all have kids that were due the same month as my first son. So they were all asking me money questions. And that's I actually when I started the blog, I posted it for them and asked like, what money questions would you love me to answer in a blog post? And within a day I had like 67 questions that people wanted me to write. So that funded full my first three months of blogging was like just answering directly those questions. Um, so when I was looking and a lot of those people have become, you know, some of my most ardent followers. So I went out to them, uh, started asking, you know, what they're most struggling with, what they want to do. I sent out some reader surveys, um, And just started to try to look around the personal finance space um, and see what I felt like was missing uh, and what I could do differently than somebody else.
0: And what you found, was it shocking at all? It's hard to find in in what other people would probably call very... um, what's it called? A crowded space, the personal Saturated, yeah. Saturated is the word, thank you. (laughs) Um, You know, were you shocked what you found was missing or was it hard to find gaps in the market?
1: So what I found was that a lot of people are still looking for the same things. Even if they're available, they're not necessarily available in the voice that they want. And I think over time, we're going to grow into some of that more repetitive stuff. But the one question that was really funny, um, in a blog post last summer, I mentioned our, what I used to call a hit by a bus binder. And it was the most response I ever got about anything. I think I posted on Instagram about it and I wrote about it in a blog post. And I had people commenting and emailing me like, What is this? How do you put it together? Like, I know I need something like this, but I have no idea what to do about it. Um, And I was like, this is weird. Like, this is like a weird amount of response. Um, So I started to dig into it more. And that was ended up being where our first product came from.
0: Okay. And what's the name of that product now?
1: The Family Emergency Binder.
0: Okay. So it's not the Hit by a Bus binder anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We decided that was a little insensitive, but it's a hard topic to talk about. And we like, We're injecting a little bit of humor into it, and we still actually call it that. My husband and I call it ours that, Um, but it's not a great marketing strategy.
0: (laughs) So, and I believe that when I first met you, you told me that this product came out of what was just going to be a lead magnet. It was just going to be something for free, and then all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, that shifted. What happened there?
1: Yeah, so... Once I got all this response, my decision, because I'm pretty bad at monetizing, like I'm really good at financial projections and things like that, but getting down to the nitty gritty of like what I'm going to make for products, I don't want to charge for anything. That's a big problem. So I was going to write a post about how to create your family emergency binder. Um, and I was going to create an opt-in that was like a checklist of things that you need. And I tend to fall down rabbit holes. So I opened up my, <laughs> my PowerPoint, which is what I make all my printables in and people can't really believe that, but I still make them all in PowerPoint. Um, I opened it up and I was at the library because we were still living in my in-laws. And six hours later, I had 67 pages of workbook. (laughs) So it had just grown into this thing of like, okay, a checklist wasn't enough. Like I want to give people really specific questions they need to be answering. And then, oh, then we need this and we need this. And I was flipping through our binder and trying to fill things in. So I actually, you know, called a friend of mine and was like, I think I made a product (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know if people will pay for it. <laughs> like, can you look at this for me? Um, and we decided we decided that a lead ma- it would flop as a lead magnet. It was too big and it was too overwhelming yeah. for people, and that we needed to charge for it.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so then what? What'd you do now that you decided you were gonna charge for it? What was the process after that? yeah so
1: it was a whirlwind so this was um mid-july i decided randomly that i was gonna launch it july 30th so it was like two weeks Mm-hmm. No, no time. Um, what
0: do you mean? That's a great amount of time. for a Great watch. amount
1: of time. I hadn't prepped anything. It was just, I don't know what I, what I was thinking, but I was like two weeks. But some other people in the personal finance space had spoken about what they call legacy binders or wills or things like that. So I sent a few emails to people in the space um, with the binder, a finished binder, and said you know, what do you guys think of this? Like, would you be interested in helping me promote it? Blah, 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 um, And they all wrote back with really positive things and asking if I was going to have an affiliate program. So now it's two weeks and now I have to develop an affiliate program because I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I should do that. <laughs> uh, so we found some really, some really good affiliates. I think we launched with 15 affiliates or so during launch week. And I was going to, this is the other, I was going to send three emails that week. That was going to be my launch. I was just going to kind of like, dug dump it out there and see, see what happens. And I was speaking to Jillian from Montana Muddy Adventures, who's fantastic. And she was like, if you want to have six figure launches someday, you should just treat this like a six figure launch, like use it as a practice product. We were launching it at $19. It was like, it was totally, it was totally basic, but I did it. I did, I think we sent 10 emails. I did five Facebook lives. We had this amazing Facebook live where I got together five people who had been through traumatic like emergency situations where they needed this information and why they thought it was important Um, and it was great and it was um, a way bigger hit and a way bigger success than I was ever expecting it to be
0: okay so at this point let's clarify a little bit for anyone listening who's like what is this binder tell me more about it give us a brief synopsis of what the binder is and who it's for
1: so the binder is giving people the information they need to handle any emergency from like a car crash or a house fire or like your grand your kids your parents need to take the kid to the doctor while you're not around um, to death and estate planning. So a will and a life insurance policy and general insurance policies are really great starting points, but they do not give people what they need to actually execute those documents. And the point I I bring up all the time is like. Okay, you have a will, but would your spouse know how to pay the electric bill? And that is what ends up in this document.
0: Okay, so all of those terrible what ifs that we don't want to think about, we address them and make sure that our loved ones are totally cared for and have all the information that they need.
1: Exactly. It's after. a total it's a total act of love and it's a um it's a peace of mind thing. Filling it out still takes a couple of hours, it still takes some thought, it still takes like accepting that something horrible might happen but then when it's done it's like this weight off your back right like you just know that everything is in line and it's actually super helpful for you too like we pull ours out constantly of like um we're looking at houses right now so when we were doing mortgage pre-approval paperwork like all our stuff is just in there so we just flip through and we get all our account numbers and all that kind of stuff
0: now the first time i heard about this product i thought it was the perfect example of um, a product solving a pain point in our lives. And I just want to highlight that now. What do you think, if you had to sum up the pain point, what do you think that is?
1: I think the pain point is that most people know they need something. Most people have seen a loved one pass away or they've you know, seen a friend go through something, but they have no idea where to start. They don't know what information to include. They feel like they will miss something. Um, and then the most important thing is they just don't have time. Like they don't have time to sit down and do the research of like, what do I need? How do I put it together? How do I make sure somebody can find it? How do I make sure they can read it? Like it's in any kind of organized format and it just becomes too big and then they push it off. So the pain point this solves is like, it's done for you. Just fill it out. (laughs) You just type into it Mm -hmm. a page at a time. If that's all you've got time for and you'll get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like back to your launch strategies when you were doing those Facebook lives and you were interviewing people who had gone through those horrible situations that that really showcased the pain point to your audience? Were people watching those Facebook Lives like, oh my gosh, what if this happens to me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, a lot of people were, um, there were some crazy stories in that Facebook Live and it was hard to watch and it was not the easiest thing to do. Um, but I, the, the thing that I didn't predict for me for launch week was the number of emails that I would get from people telling me their stories like they saw other people's stories they saw me talking about the need for this and it was like an an outlet for them to say oh yeah this is what happened to me and the emotional drain of just listening to all of these things that can happen and that you hope never happens but do they happen to people um was hard that week I heard dozens and dozens of stories um some funny in a way of like it it had, you know sorry I'm like can't even can't even (laughs) put some of this
0: to like it's too much but
1: but yeah um so that was a lot of it of people seeing seeing either their own story in other people's examples or connecting the dots of like hey when I was a kid my neighbor's spouse you know died and I didn't think about any of these things um so yeah so it it was definitely an outlet for people
0: And it's important to remember products are solutions to problems. They solve pain points. Sometimes you don't even know that pain point exists. And I know that for me, when you first told me about this product, I didn't even know that like this is a fear that i had you know what if something happens like oh my gosh i need this to help me make sure i have my stuff together
1: so sometimes uh it's an education process that's what's been interesting since the launch week so the launch week we sold to a lot of people who knew they needed it and since then we've sold to a lot of people who as soon as you pointed out to them they're like crap <laughs> I definitely need this <laughs> so yeah so that's been that's been the process
0: and I think it's amazing because when we were out to dinner at that time in the restaurant we were at the tribe conference we went out to dinner that night yep and you started asking questions about the product and strategy whatever and then somebody next to you is like hey you know what is that what are you talking about <laughs> And they end up going online on their phone to your website right there and buying your yeah. product at the dinner table. Like, that's how you know you have a great product idea when people just whip out their phone and buy it right now.
1: And, and that has happened more since then. Like, that's happened oh, really? other times we've talked about it. Um, it happened once in the grocery store. So, I ran into... Um, a friend of ours who has a kid and she was asking about the business and how it was going. So I'm telling her about the binder and she was like, Oh my God. And she's like, "While we were standing there, bought it. It was so funny.
0: And we, al- we also played that fun game. and well, I thought it was fun where we had this person guess how much you were selling it for. So you described the product and yeah. like in full and then said to, to this woman, how much do you think it's selling for? What did she say? Do you remember what she said? <sighs> it I was she- expensive. I think she it said, was ex-
1: Expensive. I don't remember. Was I think it, 50 it must. Or 100?
0: I think she said it. It would be like ninety. I think she said like ninety something.
1: Yeah, I think she did. It might have been whatever. Nice. Yeah. Whatever
0: she guessed, it was way higher than what you were pricing, which was at the time nineteen. Twenty
1: nine. It was 29. nineteen during launch week. It's twenty nine regular price, and this has actually been a big struggle of um we've had a bunch of people reach out and be like this is worth way more than this you should charge more especially other bloggers who like see it and they understand the industry like oh you should charge more but for me it's like it's selling like hotcakes let's just keep selling hotcakes like the point of this was it was supposed to be free i want to get into as many hands as possible and if we've hit a point and i think like i think sometimes um bloggers get confused when like Confusing business to business sales and business to consumer sales and like the price you can sell a product that is teaching other people how to make money is very different from like a consumption product, right? And for me, I always want to keep it not too much more expensive than a book, because that's really the comparison point, right? Um, so for us, we're keeping it at $29, but it was definitely much more than that, whatever she threw out there.
0: Yeah, but I think that's that—that's still such a strong point that um, you have such a high value product. It's solving such an important problem that a lot of people are struggling with. Yeah. And you swoop in with your $29 product <laughs> and are like, here, take this. <laughs> it, it makes it a no brainer. Yeah, exactly. It's an easy, yes. easy yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. So your launch week had ten emails. It had five Facebook lives. What else was involved in that?
1: Um, mostly, it was affiliates. After that, um, because of the two-week time slot, not everybody published day one. Not everybody even published. Some people just emailed their list. Um, you know, people's editorial calendars are way farther out than that. Uh, so that's that's basically what we did. Um, I did one Facebook live with another affiliate on their page, um, but it was mostly just just that, just waiting and see. And didn't, I, we didn't run any Facebook ads. Um, we didn't run any ads at all. So.
0: so looking back, now that that was your very first launch and you had 15 affiliates or so, was it worth it to have those affiliates on board?
1: The affiliates drove the vast majority of sales. So um, we sold 580 binders during launch week. Um, Uh, my list converted at 8%, I think, which I think at that point with that list was 90 or a hundred binders, something in there. Mm -hmm. And then the rest were all affiliates. So I had affiliates that were much bigger bloggers than me um, and they converted. It was huge to have them in there.
0: Okay. So what did you provide to your affiliates, if anything to help kind of make the process easier?
1: Yeah, so I sent them a long email, uh, onboarding email that had details about the binder, a little bit of language to use around explaining it to people. Um, I sent them some testimonials from beta testers. I had sent a bunch of beta testers through the product. Uh, I sent images, so screenshots of the binder, um, pins, example pins that they could use for promotion, and some some other advertising stuff.
0: And did you feel like that was enough? I mean, obviously it was successful, but if you were to go back and do it differently, how would you adjust that strategy?
1: I think that was enough. I think, um, I wanted people, I didn't want to get into the, I know some super, you know, huge launches end up sending full emails that people can send like, Hey, here's just copy. You can copy, Mm -hmm. um, copy, copy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, But I wanted people to talk about their experience with it um, and have it be more, I think it's more impactful generally that way. Uh, And it wasn't that, it's not a high dollar product, so it wasn't necessary for them to send necessarily lots of emails to their list. So that was good. And then during launch week, I checked in with them um, three different times. I sent an email on launch day telling them what we were doing and reminding them when our Facebook lives were scheduled. Uh, I sent an email midweek about progress, where we were versus goals. Um, And then at the end of the week, kind of like, Okay, sale ends tomorrow. Uh, Here's where we are. Thanks, whatever. So,
0: were your, because you were selling a very low cost product, your affiliates, I mean, were they motivated to work as hard? Because sometimes with the low cost products, affiliates might be like, oh, you know, if I'm earning X percentage, that's not really that much. How did you battle that?
1: Yeah, so it was $19. Um, it was a 40% affiliate commission. And I didn't really have that problem, actually, about people complain not complaining, but just kind of like mailing it in because of the price point. Um, our top affiliates, so we had one person that sold a huge amount. Uh, it was like perfect for his audience. And he was pumped, right? Because it was <laughs> like, yeah, he, he earned a lot that week. So he actually still promotes it heavily. But once people saw his success... So this was actually post-launch, but like once people saw his success, it made it easier to, for us to get new affiliates who really push it. Um, so that's yeah. been that's been helpful. But, but no, I didn't get a lot of pushback about the low-dollar product.
0: So you can kind of take that success story from that affiliate and then turn around and say to other people, "Hey, look at what happened here." Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So you you told us some numbers, but what's the total number? What did you gross in that launch period?
1: So we grossed eleven thousand and.
0: Wow. So at what point were you picking yourself up off the floor being like two weeks ago? I didn't know this existed.
1: (laughs) Day one. Uh, So somebody told me to expect to convert 2% of my list. And that was like 25, I don't remember. It was like 25 binders. And in the first two hours, we sold like 50 or whatever. And I was just, floored i could not believe it um and then the next day so our biggest affiliate didn't launch until the next day so they missed the first day bonuses uh, which was fine but then they sold like the next day they sold like a hundred in the first half of the day uh and i just i couldn't believe it i was completely shocked and i also had done do not do Big recommendation. Do not do hands on bonuses, even if you don't think you're gonna sell that many of anything. Oh
0: gosh. That's so true. You were probably booked.
1: <laughs> so I did the bonus was that you got like a customized cover for your binder. Like a it's just a printable, but I had to go through and like put their family name in and then I let them this was the big mistake, I let them choose which colors they wanted it to be. Oh my god. So that was the bonus for the first three days. So I had to make two hundred and eighty <gasps> of them or something. It was oh like, my god! All I did all week was like make these stupid binder covers, which I was fine with because like I'd made more money than my blog had made to that point in one week. Uh, but it was it was a lot.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great lesson. A lot of times people are giving bonuses of like um, workshops that they can do or one-on-one coaching, and at some point that works, and then it stops working when you get flooded with customers. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I guess that's a good problem to have, right? If you're going to yeah, be for sure. struggling. I mean. yeah, it was
1: like the first day you got a binder cover and another copy of it to send to somebody else. Uh, and then the first three days were the binder covers and it was, it was too much.
0: Wow. You did a buy one, get one. That's awesome. <laughs> were yeah. there any other bonuses at the end or in the middle? Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. So, and just because I know people are going to be wondering those 10 emails How were those organized? Was it like one a day, three a day? How'd that work? Um, It was mostly one a day.
1: Uh, Twice, two days, it was two. It was like one was a a teaching email and one was a testimonial email. Um, And then at the end, so the last three emails only went to people who had taken some action on the first seven, whether they'd like opened it or clicked or whatever. Or sorry, no. They had to have clicked, um, and then they got the last three. So the last day was two emails, just like, "Hey, last twenty four hours. Hey, you know, close in an hour."
0: Okay, cool. All right. So now that that's over, and you had this major victory, what <laughs> happens next? Do you reevaluate your strategy and keep going, or what? What happened after that?
1: So after that, um, I had some people being like, "What are you going to do next?" That was the big. That was actually during midweek okay okay what's next and I was like I have no idea I didn't even know this was a product two weeks ago um give me a second so what I did first was I went and googled emergency binder googled legacy binder and basically reached out to every single person on the front page of google for these like keywords And was like hey your post isn't monetized like do you want to sell this binder <laughs> Absolutely. um And almost all of them said yes. So that started to bring in some more consistent sales. Um, I launched with a few more affiliates. So I like let them do the sale price week um, for their audience. So we did that. Uh, And then it was mostly just kind of wait and see. I wasn't sure how much I wanted to focus on this topic. It can be, like I said, it can be emotionally draining. You get people tell you their stories and it's a lot. I didn't know what was next. Um, And then it was actually at Tribe that somebody at that dinner uh, recommended doing some kind of course. Like, he's like, I really want this, but I also want someone to walk me through it. Like, not just the binder, but everything else that goes along with it. Like, how do you create a will? When do you need a will? How much life insurance do you need? Like, a super straightforward course, not from somebody that's trying to sell you you something besides the course. (laughs) Um, So that is where I was starting to focus and think about next. um, And we're kind of leading into that over time. So what we're going to do is actually do an intensive in April that is, you know, we're calling it zero to prepared. And it's like in 30 days, we're checking this off our list. Like we're taking it out of that important, but not urgent quadrant of our life. And we're just going to get it done so we can stop worrying about it. Uh, So we're going to do weekly actual phone calls to people, anyone who signs up of like, are you actually doing this? You know, have you met your goals? What do you have questions about? Uh, We're going to do live Q and A's and then it's going to be done. And we're using that um, a little bit to source, make sure we have everything we want on the outline for the course, which will launch in the fall.
0: Wow. Okay. And how's that process going so far? Is it what you expected or more challenging?
1: No, it's good. It's not the, um, the challenge, the intensive or whatever uh, you want to call it is is not super, there's not a lot of prep that needs to go into it because it's mostly just accountability and accountability program. Um, it is a little bit, you know, reaching out to people who have purchased the binder and that they're going to be the biggest audience, I think, of people who bought it, but haven't filled it out, which is a shocking percentage of the people. <laughs> um, it's actually not surprising at all, but like <laughs> it just, it just bothers me. I actually, you send,
0: If you bought the binder, your job is done, right?
1: <laughs> so I actually send an email in the post-sale sequence. I think it's, a week after they buy it that says your family will be annoyed if something happens and you don't have any information but they're going to be extra annoyed if they find this binder and it's empty
0: Was it you you that said you also scheduled it one 365 days after purchase? Hey, have you done anything with this yet? So
1: 365 days afterwards, they get a, you should update the binder. So every year they'll get a like, hey, you should flip through an update, but I'm not checking in if they filled it out a year afterwards. That's like in the first month. They get like a bunch of reminders in the first month. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, but it's there's also a point in the sequence uh, where they get challenged to the post-buy sequence where they get challenged to like go to a coffee shop and spend an hour filling it out. They won't finish it, but like spend an hour. And that is a super high response rate. They have to like reply that they're in and I'll check in on them. So they reply, I guess a super high response rate. Uh, and a week after they send it, I'll respond to them and say like, hey, how's, like, did you do it? And so <laughs> many people are like, No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But at least they replied to you that they didn't do it. (laughs) They do. They reply like, "I swear I'm going to do it next week," and I'm like, "Uh huh, sure you are." Um, But it's a great indication that your accountability program is going to go really well. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So, going into this next launch, what's different? Is there any strategy that has shifted, or are you kind of just amplifying what you did initially? So,
1: we're going to run some more ads around it this time. So right now we're recording beginning of March. We're going to start running a video ad that's just like talking about what you need to have to be prepared. Once again, that like education side of it, people who don't know they need anything. Um, And then we'll drive ads during launch week to people who watch the video or people similar to who watch the video um so we're going to do a little bit more of that which we didn't do before we gave affiliates a lot more lead time than we, <laughs> than we did last time <laughs> like instead of the 10 days that they got last time um so we're, so we're working on that making sure they know that it's coming and that they have information about how it works um we're we have a page up that's like letting people pre-sign up so that they know when the launch is coming and we're teasing it a little bit more, um, which we didn't get the chance to do with the other thing because we didn't have any time. But yeah, so mostly going to be a similar strategy. And it's we're not going to push it like you would necessarily a normal open cart because there's a limited number of slots. Like there is only so many phone calls I can make a day. So there's only going to be a certain number of people we'll let into the program. Um, so, but mostly the same structure.
0: Okay. And have you noticed whether or not you're – Well, you would obviously notice this, but has your audience grown since launching? Because a lot of times people prevent themselves from launching a digital product because they say their audience isn't big enough. So I'm curious, has your audience grown because of the digital product?
1: Absolutely. So my list at launch was like 22 or 2300 people. Um, And it's now over 5000 mostly because people who buy the binder stay on the list so i send them through a pretty you know in depth post sale process and then there is a part of it that like transfers them over to our normal lose- newsletter and the sticking rate on those people has been really high and then the response rate on things other than the binder whether it's just you know a money tip or an article that gets sent out is higher than the rest of my audience because they have more buy in and trust Uh, if they like the binder. So audience has definitely grown. Um, Email list has gotten better stats, things like that post the launch.
0: Okay, cool. I'm glad to hear that. That's the case for most people. But a lot of people always think they need to wait until X number of people are on their list. <laughs> not the case.
1: <laughs> and it's especially not the case if you can leverage affiliates, right? And that was the big thing for me of like, it would have been a very successful launch without my affiliates, like 8% of my list was way more than I expected. It still would have been a very good sale week. Um, but if you have a product that like you can get other people to believe in and buy into, you can tap their audiences. And that's that's a great thing.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. All right. So wrapping it up, is there anything else that you feel like is important to note for somebody who's thinking about launching or not even thinking about launching, but thinking about digital products?
1: Don't do anything during launch week. Like don't think that you can write the end of your email sequence during launch week. Don't think that you're going to like do other work. (laughs) It's just like, it's, draining. It's just it's like so exhausting even when you're not doing anything. Um I thought I was gonna like edit some blog posts that had to go out that week. Uh it just didn't happen. It was like, well, I'm not not gonna do it. As I'd clear your schedule, I would get everything done ahead of time so you can hit play. And that was actually one thing that I did do was write all my sequence emails before launch day um and put them in convert it, like in a funnel because whether it's going if it's going well you're gonna be too busy. If it's going poorly it's too easy to talk yourself out of, well, like, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop sending emails. And that, you know, you're losing the sales that you have and you're not giving yourself a full chance to practice. Uh, so I would schedule everything ahead of time.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. Launch week is definitely emotionally, physically draining in every possible way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was just like refreshing our sales
0: page all the time.
1: Uh, that's yeah. pretty much all I did that week. Yeah, checking your
0: Stripe account. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, tell us where we can find you online. I'm sure there are people listening who are ready to buy that binder from you. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so you can find the binder in our shop, which is shop.smartmoneymamas.com, and that's our you know website as well. If you knock the shop off the beginning of that, and we are at Smart Money Mamas on all platforms. And awesome. that's M A M A mama i get some people who think it's m-o-m-m-a which i'm supposed to debate, a big debate Uh, but it's not it's m-a-m-a
0: for us it's
1: i'm not making i'm not weighing (laughs) in on what the actual correct spelling is of mama but
0: (laughs) thank you for clarifying that (laughs) you have people with pitchforks ready to come exactly i was
1: gonna get attacked so
0: all right chelsea thank you so much for sharing your launch with us we really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me it was great to talk about
0: just listened to episode 19 of the rebel boss ladies podcast with our guest chelsea brennan of smart money mamas a huge shout out to chelsea for her willingness to share the behind the scenes of her launch so we could learn from her really really appreciate it definitely take note of what chelsea did to be successful for anyone who doubted whether or not this is possible for you i hope you realize that chelsea's unplanned success is definitely proof that it can happen and that it will happen Thanks as always for tuning in, Rebels. Remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up.